I am midterm in my board presidency and have decided to resign from the board. I announced it to the board at a board meeting and was asked by another board member why I was leaving. I wasn't expecting the question and I didn't feel prepared to answer, so I sort of stumbled over my words. Did I handle my resignation the proper way or should I have done something differently? And how should I have responded to the question about why I was resigning when there's a room full of board members and the executive director? Oh, there feels like some layers here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I don't think that was the best way to handle a resignation, no. especially, right? You're the board president. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry to react like this for the person listening or who wrote this, but uh, that's just you don't want to blindside your board, your executive director, like just, Hey, guess what? I'm resigning. Like, right. I'm at this board meeting. I'm your leader, the leader of this board. And I'm resigning. Like, I mean, <laughs> so wait, let's, let's give them the benefit of a doubt. Let, let's, okay. we'll, let's turn the question around. Okay. In what scenario is it appropriate for the board president to surprise everyone at a board meeting saying I'm resigning? Never. Maybe you just, you're about to die. Okay. Okay. All right. That might be one exception. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll give that, I'll give that excuse. Like, that's okay. I'll allow that, but not any other circumstances. <laughs> okay. Okay. So now we know, at least we know the baseline. Okay. So now we can start haranguing this poor person now. Cause, so, cause, okay, so if you're dying, okay. And I understand why you might want to not talk about it in a board meeting. Otherwise, Go Stacy. <laughs> so first, first things first, right? I think that like, I, I just, oh, there's so many questions about this. Like why this feels like such a drastic, right? Cause you see, I mean, board members resign, you know, from time to time, uh-huh. but, but you don't generally have a board president midterm resign unless there is something really crazy going on, right? Yeah, unless they're dying. Let's, let's hope it's, yeah. It's gotta be something so extreme. Yeah. I think I've seen that happen more when an organization is completely falling apart around them and they are taking it like, you know, maybe they feel like their leadership is causing that, or maybe somehow they've contributed in some way to that. I I see that happen where you've seen board members, but generally speaking, it's not like a a announcement. I'm going to resign, right? Like there's usually a buildup, like where you know that. So I don't know. So not knowing all the circumstances, here's what I think should happen. I think given hopefully board president has a really strong partnership with their executive director. They should, at least if they didn't like, they should be talking to their executive director lead, like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. Here's what's going on. You know, I'm dying. right. Yeah. I'm dying. So, Hey, like cut me some slack. And then like even letting their fellow maybe officers know, cause they are a board president. It's yeah. probably right. Like, yeah. and then after they've come up with sort of telling those key people, then figuring out that like then going about it in the way that that's messaged. But but those people need to help part be part of that message so people don't panic. It's like, oh, holy crap, we're losing our you know, we're losing our, our board leader. Like, what are we going to do now? Like, I think in an ideal world, you've come up with sort of a, a solution for here's who's going to fill this in the interim. And, I'm so you know, thank you. And I'm so sorry I have to do this, whatever. Like, that's that's the way it feels it should be done. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit just shocked that it happened like this. And and then to, to the, for this person then to be shocked that someone would ask why they're leaving. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really feel bad. The poor person who wrote this will like be cursing me because I feel like I'm being really, so what happens I'm you sorry if you're dying. Question. I'm sorry if you're dying and I'm they should have put it in the question. If you, if that was, if that was the actual hap- what was actually happening, they should have put it in the question. Yeah. But no, I, I agree. Am with I being insensitive? No, I, I mean, no, okay. that's the correct answer. And and to be honest, if if 
like once the rest of the board gets over the shock, their initial response should be, okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you. Like, like, yeah. why would you like, how did, why did you even agree to take the executive or why did you even agree to take the board president position anyway? If you were just going to bail out midterm, right. that's totally irresponsible. You should absolutely feel uncomfortable and embarrassed. Yeah, I, I I don't even know if if everyone could if our listeners could watch our faces right now we're just like both you know shaking our heads in yes. in disdain and dismay. So um, I'm sorry. So I hope you've learned something. The person who who wrote this. Um, so maybe not how to do it differently in the future. And as far as you know, gosh, how you respond to it. I mean, I think you need to be honest. Like that that begs a question. Now, honest, you know, if if for some reason you think like, oh, the executive director, let's just I'm being I'm pulling out things out of, you know, the air for this. But like, let's say you're thinking an executive, you know, my executive director is embezzling money and I'm going to get out of this situation before like anything gets public. I mean, probably announcing that at a board meeting of why you're resigning is, is just really going but to you're a fiduciary, right? You're responsible right. for that. You're, it's your job to fix that. If yes. that's what's actually happening, yes. no, you better be dying. It is. You better. Yeah. Sorry. That's it. At the end of the day, I can't justify it any other way. Nonprofit government. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit with your host, Andy Shurick and Stacy Wedding. Ho, ho, ho. I'm so glad you did that. <laughs> Do I make a good Santa? I'm so glad you did that. Ho, ho, ho. It just feels what? like tis the season, right? <laughs> it is. There's a reason I don't dress up as Santa. I don't think I did that very well. But <laughs> hey, I hope everyone got a chuckle, at least from that. And happy holidays, whatever you're celebrating. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. There's probably five more I'm forgetting. But uh, we're glad to have you join us for another episode of Nonprofit Everything. Uh, as you know, this is where uh, my fabulous uh, partner in crime and co-host, Andy Schurcht, and I, uh, do our best to answer your questions. Anything about nonprofits that's on your mind. So nothing too big, too small. We love it all. Wow, I am rhyming even. <laughs> I Wow, I'm just super excited about this. Okay. So anyways, I think I've had too much coffee. You can probably tell, but I want to give a special thank you to Anne, the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, who makes this podcast possible for you. Uh, if you haven't ever uh, checked out Anne, go to their website. Tons of resources. And uh, I've been a member for years and encourage you to do the same. So thanks for joining us for this episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Brenda J. Stout CPA, a full service accounting firm specializing in nonprofit tax compliance and IRS problem resolution. Find out more at brendastoutcpa.com or check the Nonprofit Everything show notes for contact information. Thank you, Brenda J. Stout CPA. Thank you, Brenda. Daisy, how do I get back my time? It feels like somebody always needs a piece of me as an executive director of a small nonprofit. All I do is react, and I never seem to have time to get ahead of the curve and be proactive. I think many listening feel your pain. So, uh, yes, it is. I think executive directors should also be called jugglers, right? Jugglers of many, especially of smaller nonprofits, right? Jugglers of many balls. Um, so, this question, I don't know if you get the sense, Andy, but it, it it's definitely feels like it's coming from a mentality of like the calendar is controlling this person and the person is not controlling their calendar. And I get that that 
you can only control your calendar so much in the nonprofit sector, right? If you've got a board member or a donor that calls and you're not going to sit there and not respond. But I think there's some things you can do. Um, and I think that one of the things is is really sort of not feeling like you have to respond to everything. There's a great process I went through just on a personal level recently that was called do delegate or dump. And if you think about that and you think of everything you're do- like, what do you like actually have to do versus being able to give it to a staff member or a volunteer or, or whatever, you know, save it for six months. Cause it's not priority. What is it? Is there anything you can delegate and then dump? Like there are things that probably are a complete waste of your time. Someone was talking about this the other day, right? Just how they don't realize how much mindless time they spend just scrolling through social media and it's things that we're not even aware of. So I feel like there's some some like things like that that might help this person. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like we've had a question similar to this uh, like maybe a year ago. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that the same kind of responses were like, make sure that you've got, I mean, I've, I've through the years, I've gone through dozens of different kind of to-do lists or ways to sort of manage what my tasks are. And I finally, like after 30 years, finally come up with something that pretty works pretty well for me because it prevents me from dropping the things that I'm not supposed to drop and specifically prevents me from forgetting things that aren't super important, but I still need to do just not right now, which was the stuff that always got like, that was the stuff that always didn't get done. It was the stuff that you'd look at the calendar at the end of the month and be like, oh, no, I didn't do that because it was never important enough to do right now. Yes. But it kind of needs to be done. So so putting deadlines on things was always important to me to make sure like, okay, this goes on the calendar and it has a date on it. It has to be done by that date. So as that date gets closer, even though it doesn't seem super important, it gets done. The other thing is to kind of, at least for me, minimizing distractions is I've got my, the sort of way my personality is, is I just like stuff. I like looking at things. <laughs> Squirrel, okay, so here's, bright, no, shiny object. Oh my God, let me tell you the story. The other day I was at my desk and outside my window was, um, a, we've got a big tree and on top of the tree was a hawk, a Cooper's hawk, disassembling a pigeon. Methodically oh. disassembling a pigeon. Oh. It was amazing. Oh, you weirdo. I got no work done that you day. Weirdo. Oh. I just stared out the window <laughs> watching this bird destroy its food. Creep. Oh. <laughs> it was so amazing. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> it was, I took pictures of it. It was amazing. But I got nothing done that day because that was just the coolest that I had to find out what kind of bird it was and is this a natural habitat for it? And is it gonna <laughs> live in my backyard for a really long time? So so for me, like making sure that the dis- that distractions are minimized. So I don't, I'm not a social media person. I don't spend an awful lot of time doing that, but I, I do tend to find myself chasing down rabbit holes just because the, my work computer happens to be connected to the internet where everything is available for me to look at. So I know all kinds of stuff about the difference between a juvenile Cooper Hawk and an adult Cooper Hawk and why they look different and how, when they're, <laughs> when their feathers molt and all that kind of stuff, because I completely wasted, I wasted that whole day doing totally random internet research. Well, yeah. And, and you know what? It, I think anybody, whether whatever that is, whether it's the, oh, dear Lord, like the nature, the nature series that's happening in your own yard, yes. like with you. Right. Or whether it's social media, everyone's got that thing that distracts them or whatever. So so it probably to some degree, the more you resist that, I don't think it's healthy. Right. Like it's like, how do you create an environment where it's OK to do that for a little bit? It actually sometimes stirs up creativity. But if that is becoming the norm, that's that's an issue. I also think sometimes because executive directors can sometimes want things done a certain way, they're not always great at 
at delegating? And how do you, when people are coming to you with problems, say, hey, let me empower you. Like, what's the solution? Have you thought about solutions? Right. So there's some things to sort of put it back. It's like taking the monkey from your back and putting it back on the other person. Mm-hmm. Like, right. It's 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 that kind of stuff. I also think, you know, for me personally, uh, and if you can do this as to, to the degree of you know possible, some work environments. So like I don't do well in noisy. Some people all they can do is work in noisy spaces. I need quiet and solitude. So for me, there is one day a week or several hours in a day that I just say this is my block of time. No distraction, whether I'm in an office and I have to close my door, whether I'm in a home environment and I just work from home that day, whatever that is, that is literally just what I need to be productive. No meeting schedule that day, right? That meeting, that that day is just not available for a meeting, mm-hmm. period. I mean, that's the boundary that I've set for myself to, uh, to, to get stuff done. And I think thinking, just being a little more uh, thoughtful about some of that stuff or strategic uh, will help immensely. So as a, as a staff member, one of the things that I think always happens is there's stuff on my to-do list as a staff member that I cannot do until I get the executive director to tell me this, this direction is okay. You know, there are decisions that I'm just not qualified to make. I'm like, uh. I can make them. I know what decision I want to make, but I need your permission as the executive director to go ahead. And so if you're if you're in, unavailable, you're not in the office, you're taking time to do your own work, like all that is is making me as a staff member crazy, waiting <laughs> for you to pop your head out of your, to open your office door so that the line of people standing outside of it can all get their questions answered. So there's there's a couple of solutions to that too. So you do need to have, you do need to have time that you can just like focus and concentrate and work, but you also need to make sure that you're, you're not holding your staff up by not empowering them to actually make decisions on their own. Yeah. So, and, and I've worked for executive directors that were amazing at doing yes. these kinds of things of giving people authority, like way beyond what they were responsible for. Mm-hmm. So one organization I worked in, one of the employees had amazing handwriting. She had fantastic handwriting and the executive director constantly kept bringing this person into the strategic planning process saying, Oh, strategic, we need to do strategic planning process. Bring her up. We need to. And she would say, the reason I want you to do this is because you've got such amazing handwriting. But she, what she was really doing is actually giving this person tons of authority way over their staff level hmm. to be as part of the team that's basically responsible for creating and making sure the strategic plan works, looks good, makes sense. Just basically training them on the job because they were and like pulled them completely out of the wrong department, just pulled them right up. They were a line level employee. They didn't have any any specialized experience, but the executive director just decided this is the person that's going to be my point person for the strategic plan. The reason that I'm stating out loud is their handwriting is good. The real reason is because I need somebody to be the point person. I'm going to empower this person to be that point person, which was, I think was a phenomenal way to, to give that person a bunch of authority at a very, very low Absolutely. level. Take some of the stress off of the executive director. Cause if you know, I mean, as, as a former staff member, like, all of the people that work for you, for the most part, all of the people that work for you are completely amazing in their own way. They all have these fantastic strengths. They're working line level jobs. They've got a lot of stuff on their plate, but they all are capable of so much more. So it's up to the executive director to just sort of pick them. Empower. Just say, yeah, yeah, just say, this is now your job. I know it's not in your job description. I've made up a totally random reason why I'm putting you in this job, but this is now your job. And I also, you know, I want to go back. I'm still thinking about what you said before about you don't want to hold up your staff, right? When when it is something you have to make a decision on. But I think there is a way to organize that. So your staff know every Monday or every Friday from this time to this time, I'm 
not available. Like you can't get in touch with me. Right. And if you communicate that, then guess what? It's on the staff to figure out how they're going to get to you another time or schedule time on your calendar. So, so it's sort of not creating that environment where it is always reactive, like staff needs something right now. So they can come to your, like, they don't think on the, you know, their own, they come to your door every, I don't know, hour with a new question. And Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, I can't get anything done. It's, It's like, how do you change that that it's like a paradigm shift mm-hmm. internally. And, and I think like sort of office, like communications, things are changing in a really weird way too. Like, like we didn't used to have things like Microsoft Teams or Slack right. or where you could just like message somebody and they would just respond because they're already holding the phone and the message just popped up, which is the most attention destroying device in the world. Awful. So you're trying to get something done. Oh, I can, I can, this is only a sentence. I can answer this right now. And and then it takes you 10 minutes to get back on the task that you were on. So, so you have to kind of make role, rules about how those things are going to be used. And it really depends on your personality too. If you're like, if you're like me, like one 10 second distraction yes. could ruin the day because then, then I'm off. <laughs> that on, leads to a right? 10 minute. Yes. Yeah, an then, hour. And then yeah. you're, you're, you have to come up with your own personal strategies for me. I mean, it's, and it's something that, that, that you talk to like little kids that are having trouble focusing. You say things like, where am I? What am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Right. <laughs> I think hey. it's a Taekwondo thing, right? Like, hey, yeah. like you just continue to, so it's like your mantra. Where am I? I'm doing a podcast with Stacy. What are you doing? Well, I'm actually talking. What are you supposed to be doing? This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm actually on task. Score. Right now, right? You get a gold star. I get a, yeah, I get five points. <laughs> but like, you know, when I'm looking out the window at a awesome bird. Like, what am I doing? I'm looking out the window. What am I supposed to be doing? Not looking out the window. <laughs> and let's be real. Some days it's like, I don't care. Like I'm giving myself a break to oh, look yeah. out the window today. That's and that's, important. that's okay too. That's important. board approved our annual budget just before our fiscal year. And now six months later, everything has changed. Should we just not worry about being really far off or should we get the board to approve a revised budget? Man, this question, this happens a lot. Yeah, it does. Of course. And nothing goes to plan, right? Nothing. No, if you seriously, if you get to the end of the year and you're close to your budget numbers, you're either you're a genius (laughs) Or you're super stagnant. (laughs) Right. Or you (laughs) Or you're kinda boring and stagnant and didn't go off course at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Or your your organization is so long (laughs) that you've just sort of figured it out exactly. This is it's you know, we haven't changed in the last fifteen years. This is exactly what's gonna happen. So most organizations, yeah, you you create a budget and especially if it's a longer period than a year. Like if if your board is asking you to do like a three year projection or something like that that third year is going to be completely made up. That's just too far away to, to know. To, yeah. You have no idea. So, so it kind of depends on, on what your board wants from you. The, the, if the board is super confident in your abilities as a manager to manage the money, if they know that you've got the cash flow figured out, if you're giving them regular cash flow statements so they can feel comfortable about this is the money that's coming in, this is the money that's going out. Um, you, you can probably get away with just, just kind of cruising for the year. And then at the end you're off and you're off. The challenge with that though, is that a lot of times you'll see funders and foundations and things ask for, show me your yeah, budget to actual your budget right? to actual for the year. And, and if it's crazy far off, they might get cold feet. They go, you know, you don't know how to do it because of course, you know, they don't even budget. They don't know what, <laughs> right. They don't, they don't have the slightest idea how difficult it is. Right. So you're kind of caught in a corner. The, the, 
When you step back, though, I think you want to look at what the purpose of the budget is. So why are you even doing it other than you're required to? And, and the reason that you're doing it is that you, you're trying to figure out if these are the resources that we have available, like this is how we can do the best good in the space that we're in. So you're, you're looking at the revenues that are coming in. You want to forecast that as closely as you can and, and make sure that that's close. And if it's not, you want to see like, why did we, you know, you want to, the more interesting thing is why did we do it wrong? Like what, what did we guess wrong? Was it, was it like one, you know, million dollar donor that we thought we had an 80% chance. We really had a 60% chance. You know, what was the, yeah. what was the problem? Why did we, why did we miss the the numbers? Um, on the expense side, do we have a manager or, you know, is the executive director like buying crazy stuff? Like, right. because, because they think they're, they're Let's above the not. law. Yeah. Right? Let's hope not. Yeah. So, so what's the, what's the issue and why are you getting off? And then, I mean, as, as a former CFO, a lot of the conversations that I would have about budgets would be really um, sort of horse trading, right? They'd come in and they say, well, you know, we were going to hire this, we were going to bring this person on in January. turns out we're not going to bring them on until April. So I have an extra $15,000 to work with. So can I do this? Right. And, and I think a good, you know, maybe not, but I think a good CFO would be more interested in the big picture than they would about the technical details of the budget that they seriously just spent 120 right. hours making perfect. Right. Right. Um, so, so having that flexibility, I think is important, but making sure that your board is comfortable enough with that flexibility that you don't get crossed up in a board meeting because you're way off and they want to know like, like who's, aren't you responsible for keeping an eye on this? Like that's the last question you want to get in a board right, meeting. Right. Well, and I guess, and I've heard some nonprofits with budgets, I mean, sometimes they still actually come in, even though the plans have changed the way they were going to approach whatever changed the, the kind, the vendor they were going to hire changed. They still stay within the actual budget, but it's just all the details of how they got there or how the the numbers that make up the budget, you know, those are what change. And that, I, I mean, at least for me being a novice and not knowing a lot about finance, that seems like that would be okay, right? Like as long as you're not going over the budget a ton, I mean, and you're sort of in the ballpark, does it really matter if that I took a different course to get there as long as the organization approved it and it's in line with our plans. Yeah. I mean, and the, the, so years ago and, and actually, so FASB just recently changed the way financial statements work too, specifically to focus in on liquidity, which is how much money do you have? How much cash do you have available to continue your operations? Because when you look at what, what gets nonprofits really crossed up and most, I mean, any business, what gets any business crossed up is running out of cash. So (laughs) I know everybody that's ever worked in a nonprofit has been in a position where someone has said to you, go cash your check right now. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. It's the worst, yeah. worst feeling in the world. But everyone has had that experience, not at every nonprofit, but everybody has mm-hmm. had that experience at mm-hmm. least one time. Right. And and the reason that happens is not because the organization didn't budget properly. I mean, the, they 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 probably know over a 12 month period how much revenue is going to come in. They know over a 12 month period how much revenue is pretty much going to go out. It's just that the variation in when it came in, the timing is all mixed up. And this was supposed to hit the bank today, but the donor, you know, has pneumonia and is in the hospital and couldn't sign the check and so missed the meeting. So that $25,000 didn't hit the bank account, which means that we're, we're running out of cash in the bank account. So, so there's this really, I think, important focus on liquidity and cash flow and making sure that there's enough money in the bank to continue the operations. And that's what most, most finance people are really focused on. And most CFOs and most executive directors should be focused on too, is not so much the technical details of 
depreciation and <laughs> like whether or not the auditors are going to be super happy, even though that's important, but really just making sure that there's enough cash in the accounts right. to make sure that you can continue to operate at the speed that your organization needs to operate. So your answer to this question is basically it depends and it's really driven by how what your board's preference is. Is that it in a nutshell? Yeah, because so I've had I've had the same board, like the same board. Maybe the people are a little bit different, but for one organization, the same board at the, you know, after a very strange liquidity event, like all of a sudden a whole bunch of cash got dumped in our lap. Um, which is always a great thing. Oh, yeah. The board came back and said, look, you've got way more money than you thought you were going to have. We're, we're only four months into the fiscal year. Uh, you need to go back and, and redo this because I don't think this is what you're going to spend this year. And if it, if it is what you're going to spend this year, it's kind of irresponsible. It means you're just sitting on it. So let's yes. figure out how we can how we can serve more constituents by using this money in an effective way, which is a, you know, it's a fantastic thing for that board to say, you know, and then, and then that same board other times that, you know, the, the money isn't coming in at the speed that we think the money's going to come in. And so halfway through the year, we're already off by quite a bit. And they say, okay, I'd like you to sort of reforecast. I want to see what's really going to happen this year because we don't think the rev- you're going to hit your revenue targets. Yeah. So, so let's see how you're going to change your expenses to, to match your revenue targets. And at that point, it's just sort of an exercise in, you know, spreadsheet management, right? Figuring yeah. out like, okay, what, what are we going to do? Is, are we considering a layoff? What the, you know, what, how, how bad is it going to get before we get to the end of the fiscal year? So, so that's, I, those are the sort of, you know, big scenarios where the board may come back and be like, you know, this is, this is not reflecting reality and we'd like it to be a little closer to reality. And I guess I'm just, I'm also really thinking about what you mentioned from a, a grants perspective or, I, I mean, that, that can really kind of though get funky and mess up. Like, so you send a funder your, your approved budget and then you have a revised budget that gets approved six months later. I mean, it's an interesting. And so when that funder comes back and says, show me how that original budget to actual, I mean, it's, there's just a, yeah, we don't use that one. Right. Sorry. We don't use that one. And I mean, and I think that could raise, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, hopefully you have a funder that's educated enough to understand it, but it also could some funders that are not, it could raise red flags. So I think you just, I mean, like my sense of this is that you don't want to be revising the budget a lot or really it should be it should be really just um, if there's a big event or a big shift, because otherwise you're going to have revisions, you're going to have a revised budget, you know, every month with the way things change. Yeah. And I wouldn't recommend ever revising, like doing an official revision to your budget more than one time a year, unless I mean, I can't think of why you would want to do it. No. So, you know, have your official approved budget. Use that if something crazy happens and like it's just completely wrong and you need to redo it again. Go ahead and redo it like a mid-year point. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Because even then. So like funders get so confused over the most minor things. So one organization I was with, we had a calendar year, fiscal year, and we moved it to from July to June. So we had one year that we called a stub year, which was only six months long. I think I explained that to <laughs> 3,000 people. Like, okay, why why so is painful. this year so yeah. tiny? Like right? the year this year was huge. This year was really like half. like of the, <laughs> And then this next year was even more. Like explain it. I'm like, because it was a step year. It was yes. only six months. How can a year be six months? Well, there's this <laughs> thing called the calendar. You know, right? You go into this long <laughs> explanation and like every single time. Oh, how painful. It was yeah. super confusing. Yes. And, and just like, and, and it was conversations with state auditors yes. about like, how did that happen? And you're like, we had to change our fiscal year. There was, 
It was it was really dumb for an organization to have their fiscal year like us, where all of the stuff comes in in November and December. We don't want our fiscal year ending at the end of December. That's just like this is like it's you're white knuckling it until August. <laughs> and you know what? That's actually a good. It's a total different question, yes. but it's a good <laughs> side note because. I'm sure you've seen it, Andy. I've gotten a lot of nonprofits saying or whose board says, well, why don't we just get on a calendar year? Let's change our fiscal to calendar or whatever, because it'll be easier. And I think they really need to understand it is a pain in the butt on a hundred <laughs> levels to do it. I mean, you know, there's reasons that, that you choose to do it. But God, your example is just one of many nuances that come with changing it. Yeah, there's so. somewhere there's like a, a masochistic board, bookkeeper that's like super <laughs> into changing fiscal years because it means there's a lot of extra work. Exactly. But yeah, for the... I, I do recommend it for organizations that have really strange, that's a totally different question. Why are we answering that? I don't know. I don't know. We're just, we're creating our own questions for all of you. <laughs> yeah. So, so I hope you're taking notes. You need to send us that one too. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll actually answer that more officially. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We have um, we're, we're happy to do this. We're really thankful to the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, which makes this possible. Um, we really love your questions. If you've listened this far and you got to the end of it, maybe there was something that we talked about today that made you think, hey, I wonder about just just get that to us somehow, because the questions that you guys send in are the reasons that Stacy and I come back and do this every couple of weeks. Um, we love answering the questions. We love doing the research to try to figure out how to answer the questions appropriately. We love tracking down experts to answer questions that we don't know the answer to. Um, so please keep them coming. We really need them. And um, if you found this interesting at all, share it, um, send it to people, say, hey, have you listened to um, the Nonprofit Everything podcast? Um, if you didn't like it, uh, let us know that too. <laughs> Give us a, let us know, see what we can change. And we, we're always looking to try to make this more interesting and more useful for the people who listen. So please, we're, please do that. We're all about improvements. So send it on, you guys. Mm-hmm.